Lowe, and you are tuned in to Wrestling Windown. On this week's episode, I am joined by Xenia. She is a wrestling YouTuber based out of Moscow, Russia. We're going to be chatting about the latest in professional wrestling, including the best matches and moments from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT's Great American Bash. I am so pumped to chat about Keith Lee winning this NXT championship. And of course, we're spilling the wine in our newest segment, Sip and Tell. So grab your glass of wine. We're going in for the three count. joined today by Xenia. I hope you're ready to talk some wrestling and sip some wine. Hi. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Lo. So glad to be here. I wanted to start with how you begin on your wrestling YouTube. So when did you become interested in professional wrestling? Actually, I became a fan way, way, way before I actually started my channel. I've been watching since I was a kid, basically, since I was 11. And I just randomly caught it on TV one time and I was hooked for life, I guess you could say. Oh my God, same. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the universal experience for so many wrestling fans. But it took me a long time to actually come to start doing something in the industry. Uh, because uh, some people who watch my channel know that I have uh, a bachelor's degree, I have a master's degree, I'm a PR professional. Uh, and I had such a long path of kind of trying to get an adult job, an adult education, you know, and then I kind of stopped and realized that wrestling has been in my life for so long, and it has been something that has consistently brought me joy, and I just kind of thought to myself, why not give it a shot? And here I am. You have a channel, Xenia did that. I've watched a lot of your videos. So you were actually at Double or Nothing. I was at Double or Nothing too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that flying to the U.S.? Was that your first time flying here? No, actually, my first time flying to the U.S. and my first wrestling trip uh, was WrestleMania 29. Oh, okay. A while back. <laughs> uh -huh. And it was a really, well, if we're talking about WrestleMania, if we're talking about the first time in the US, it was a really life-changing experience for me because everything was so new and the US is very, very different from Russia. And I can't really put it into words, like in one sentence, like how is it different? It's just very different. It's just, it's trusty. <laughs> and you're just overcome by all this new experiences, new people. And at the same time, I got to experience my first huge wrestling show it wasn't my first wrestling show period because uh i'm sure you know wwe actually did a tour in russia they came to mm -hmm, russia yeah. that, so i was there but wrestlemania i'm sure again everyone knows what i'm talking about wrestlemania is just bigger than life right so it was it was amazing but yeah double or nothing was also very different in its own way because it was my first wrestling trip that they made as a youtuber Okay, uh, that's great. Where I actually yeah. had like stuff to do and where I actually had arranged interviews and things like that. So it was also very eye-opening experience in the best way possible. You are one of the main podcasters in Moscow, Russia, and you're one of the only female ones. How does that feel? Yeah, it is kind of strange even to think about because um, I don't want to say that the media field around wrestling in Russia is small. Like it's not small in the traditional sense but in the way of uh, utilizing new media such as again youtube podcasts social media twitter it is fairly new to russia in regards to wrestling uh so it's really it, it's really amazing to be one of those people to kind of 
paves the way. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I guess I, I could say it like that about myself. The most important thing about my channel and about me being a wrestling YouTuber from Moscow, from Russia, is not that I actually did it because there were people before me who had YouTube channels, who had podcasts, who did wrestling commentary, just like I do again. Uh, but I feel like my main accomplishment so far has been that I've managed to go out of this local bubble in a way and mm -hmm. to experience more American wrestling and to experience uh, American wrestling media. Again, some uh, of your listeners may know that I was featured on Watchmania, uh, which was really big news within the Russian wrestling community. Everyone was congratulating me because uh, I feel like I've worked so hard exactly on that. And I've been learning English for as long as I can remember. And I've been trying to kind of reach further. And I would hope that, I, that I'm succeeding. <laughs> Let's get into raw this week we saw Heath Slater make an appearance which was so unexpected he came out and he cut this incredible promo with Drew McIntyre but how did you feel about the match itself I feel like they wanted to hype up Heath Slater as this guy that got released with everyone else in April and then once the match started you know it was a short match you, if you blinked it was over with and then you saw the embrace between Heath Slater and Drew McIntyre after the fact and I was reading online, this was done almost as like a sign-off for Heath Slater's career in the WWE. His 90-day non-compete clause is almost over, so he wanted to make that his last appearance. And I think it is meaningful. You know, him and Drew have a long storied history together in the three-man rock band and personally. So I think that was a great end to his tenure in the WWE. What did you think about this moment? I am very much a 3MB fan. I was a really, really huge fan of them when they were around as a faction uh, and there's this like joke or I guess you could say trope that's going on around in the wrestling community the 3MB curse quote-unquote oh um, yeah I've seen that WWE, then get, gets really buff coming back <laughs> and winning the main title and I would hope to see Heath in that role someday we never know but regarding the match itself you're right the one thing is hyping up uh, Heath as his like last appearance or as his return or whatever but the other thing is that they have been really really working to build up Drew because mm -hmm. he has been showcased as very very powerful and he's been basically just throwing people around ever since he got the title so right. making it a longer match I don't know if it would be the better option actually for Drew because Heath is uh, out of WWE at this point and he's not a regular performer so I don't think it would damage him as much as a longer match where he would have been more powerful as much as that would damage Drew in the mm -hmm. long run. So I don't think they kind of did him a disservice or anything by making it a short match. I know you're a huge Dolph Ziggler fan so how are you feeling with Dolph Ziggler's involvement here? He's been very secretive about the match clause that they're going to have at Extreme Rules. Do you think this is a smart strategy or do you think it's not? I think it might be a smart strategy. The thing about this feud between Ziggler and Drew is that it is very much logical. Like they have so much history together. They were tag team champions together and it has a lot of ground to stand on. Mm -hmm. But I feel that it has been kind of rushed and everything has kind of been crammed together and they didn't really have an opportunity to have the story unfold, really. Right, So maybe approaching the match itself this way might give it a little more pizzazz, you know? We also saw the announcement of, this is so strange, an eye versus eye match between Seth Rollins <laughs> and Mysterio at Extreme Rules, which 
we'll talk a little bit more about in the sip and tell segment, but this match is just so odd. Nothing like this has ever been done. I did expect to hear the match clause, but I didn't expect to hear it exactly after the match. So we saw Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens pick up the win. We saw Rey Mysterio's son Dominic get involved. We saw Aleister Black, who was slated to be in this match. He got involved and attacked Seth Rollins, but I don't even know what to say about this clause. Like, it's never been done, and it's strange. It seems like WWE is just trying to pick anything at this point to gauge people's interest. I'm assuming it's going to be one of the theatrical matches, but maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be a typical wrestling match. Yeah, there's this saying that they really like, which goes like, if it's stupid but it works, is it really stupid? Hmm. So it's a very strange stipulation to announce, and it's unlike anything we've seen before. But people are talking about it. People are curious about it, and I am curious about it. I really, really wonder what it's going to look like. And I don't know if it's going to be a cinematic match, but we've seen in the recent uh, events that WWE has done in the light of the coronavirus and all this stuff, they've been really dabbling into some unconventional things. Mm -hmm. Uh, like the simulated crowd uh, and stuff like that. So maybe it will be a CGI eye just hanging out of someone's (laughs) eye sockets. I don't know. We'll see. We also saw a lot of women's action this week. So Ruby Riot was in action against Billy Kay. And it has a lot of people wondering if we're going to see the reunion in the works for Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. Sarah Logan just announced a couple weeks ago that she is pregnant. She was released by WWE in April. So She obviously wouldn't be involved in that, but Liv Morgan has had a really strong presence on Twitter with the fans, and Ruby Riot has done a really good job, but they haven't had her on the main shows recently. It seems like they've really been sticking a lot of their really good talent on main event because they really don't know how to utilize them right now, storyline-wise, but how would you feel about Riot and Morgan getting back together? I'm really on the fence about it, to be completely honest with you, because the recent events with Liv, her losses, have been a really huge letdown, Mm -hmm. because when she appeared at Mania, I thought that it was going to be the start of something really, really big for her, like a big push, and obviously this isn't happening right now. Right. And if they actually do end up getting back together, it arises two important questions. Question number one, are they really going to be powerful as a team? Because we have recent losses of Liv and we have Ruby Riot losing pretty much consistently after her on-screen return. And question number two is, what was the point of breaking them up in the first place? Well, I think WWE really didn't know what to do with them. And it seemed like with the brand splits and having them go all over the place, it really made a lot of people question what was next for all of them. And I think a lot of people expected Ruby to shine the most, but it came down to Liv almost shining the most. She had a really strong presence for a while. She was involved in the women's action, and then it seemed like, like you said, she kept losing matches, and it was kind of like, well, why is this momentum dying down for her? You know, I can see them going after the tag titles, but... Yeah, they really tried to repackage Liv and pretty successfully from the get-go. And she was really compelling. She was really interesting to watch. But then it kind of started to die down. And not because fans weren't digging her or anything right. like that, but because just the writers weren't treating her right, basically, yeah. I guess you could say. And again, if they form a tag team, again, that would be really strange because the whole thing about Liv's new gimmick after her repackaging was that she's not going to be the same person again. She's not going to be someone... Uh, that does as they're told and if she just ends up going back together with Ruby that would kind of defeat the purpose (laughs) I know make it make sense it just I don't know we'll see what WWE does with that I have to talk about this karaoke contest 
that was on SmackDown this week. What the hell? We had Lacey Evans, Naomi, Tamina, and Dana Brooke, and it led to a match between Naomi and Lacey, and I'm just not here for this. I've talked a lot about how I think Naomi isn't being used properly. Tamina isn't being used properly. Dana Brooke isn't. I'm a little bit on the fence about Lacey Evans just because she really had a lot of moments to shine. You know, she was involved in a few with Becky Lynch. She's been involved in a, with Bailey, So she's had her opportunities. But these other women, I feel like they aren't being utilized properly at this point. And seeing a karaoke contest, it almost brought me back to when I first started watching wrestling and yeah. how they were doing like lingerie contests and summer bikini contests. And I'm like, you have these talented women on this roster. They're ready to compete and you don't know what to do with them. Now, I'm not saying that WWE doesn't know what to do with all of their women because look at Sasha and Bayley. They're on fire right now. They're on all three brands. They're killing it. It seems like WWE is so focused on Bayley and Sasha and them being strong champions. And they're kind of leaving these other women by the wayside that are just as talented. Please utilize our women. I'm just tired of it. It's funny how you said that it reminds you of the time when we were kids and when we were starting to watch WWE because this is the exact thought that I got. We had evolution. We had women's tag titles introduced and now we're back again to this kind of content that they give us with women's division. It's kind of sad and it's kind of embarrassing and i've read reports and of course i don't believe just anything that's written on the internet but it's still a theory that some quote-unquote insiders claim that the entire purpose of this whole segment was to kind of make fun of aw Hmm. because of the dusty Rhodes song that was featured and Mm -hmm. taking into account that they're have been those uh, again quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars like you can't deny that WWE is trying to keep up even right. though numbers wise AEW is of course not nearly as big but yeah. WWE has been on their toes because of this entire situation so I would not be surprised if that was the case. Oh let's hope it gets better because I've been saying it for months on our show I just feel like sometimes they don't know what to do with talent they throw them into these situations like a karaoke contest or you know, getting involved in matches where it just doesn't make sense. And I feel like they just deserve better. Yeah. But And I feel like sometimes with WWE, the problem with their writing, and of course I might be wrong, but it just looks like it, is that when they start developing a story or a feud or whatever, they do not actually know where it's headed. Like they don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to end. Right. And at some points it's very illogical and it's uh, like you can actually tell that the person who started the th- this thing doesn't know right. <laughs> how, like, how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah, like, like the spider thing. Like the spider thing just completely blew my mind <laughs> with Eric Rowan, right? Because at one point I was like, legitimately invested <laughs> right I was legitimately curious what was in there and then it just was just a toy spider like i cannot believe that someone would write a storyline like that from the get-go keeping in mind that it's gonna be a toy spider like it just doesn't happen like that there's no person who thinks like that so wwe has been having troubles with, the, with, with continuity but like i said i think they are doing a great job with sasha and bailey we saw bailey yeah. versus oscar this week and there was some involvement from Nikki Cross, who is Bailey's opponent at Extreme Rules. I thought this was a good match. I get why Nikki Cross was involved, and I get why in the Sasha Banks versus Kyrie match, I get why Bailey was involved there. But you probably noticed too, like on NXT last week with Yoshirai versus Sasha, Bailey got involved there too, and Asuka. 
are they doing this so these women don't take flat out losses so it looks like they're still dominant champions so they're having each other get involved in terms of teamwork i feel like part of the reason why these measures are even happening is because again wwe is trying to keep viewers like, trying to keep people watching right and for, for some fans those matches are dream matches basically Mm -hmm. And while they do feel the need to have those matches, they are trying to protect both parties again. So uh, I don't really think that uh, having matches end with someone's involvement or with like cheating or anything like that is a bad thing because I feel like it's often that WWE piles losses on the wrestler and mm -hmm. that makes them lose their momentum. So this way of protecting people from like being basically like a clean cut loser. I think it's a good, a good thing sometimes actually. I think it was good to see Kyrie back. This was her first appearance on WWE television in a few weeks. We didn't expect it. We thought Asuka was going to be alone in this situation, but seeing Kyrie come back, I think it was great. They did mention in a promo that they plan to go after the tag team championships. I mean, two-time champions, they've been champions before. I wasn't a fan of their first reign because I felt like a lot of people forgot they were even champions because we never really saw the titles defended. So if WWE does go down that road again of having Asuka and Kyrie as women's tag team champions, I hope that they're utilized properly and that people know, oh, Asuka and Kyrie, they are the tag champs instead of like having to question, well, who's holding that title this week? Yeah, I completely agree. During their first run, we barely even saw them perform, which was a shame. And also Asuka now and Asuka then are two very different wrestlers. I agree. Not, not in terms of in-ring, of course, but in terms of the way that she is presented right now, in the way that she's shown as very, very powerful, way more, mm -hmm. more powerful than she was back then. So I think, yeah, it would be a great idea for them to have this kind of redemption for their first run, which kind of disappointed some people. Finally on Raw this week, we saw the new design of the United States Championship belt. This was the first redesign in six years. I think the belt looks okay. I think a lot of people are freaking out a little bit because it isn't what they're used to. But in terms of like the belts that we've seen recently, like the 24-7 title, I think this belt is an improvement. What do you think? It's definitely different from what we're used to. I'm always going to picture the title that they had because that's what the belt was when I first started watching wrestling. But, you know, you just got to get used to it. Yeah, I've been hearing people have some very strong reactions. Some people hate it, some people love it. I don't really have a very prominent opinion on it, but I feel like the main thing about it is that it matches the new Intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. I feel like those go together better than the older design with the new IC title. But yes, just like you said, the previous design was what I've been seeing for this like 10 plus years, ever since I started watching wrestling. And it, it was really nostalgic to me because this was the title that Miz held at some point, who is mm -hmm. also one of my uh, favorite wrestlers. And he held that title at the time when I was maybe the most enthusiastic about wrestling than, than they <laughs> ever was. Well, my, maybe not about wrestling, maybe about WWE in particular, because <clears> now, of course, I watch a lot more wrestling and diverse wrestling and different wrestling. But back then, maybe 
2013, 2012 were the times where I was the most enthusiastic about WWE in particular. Mm-hmm. So Prime to me, time. it's more, yeah, for, so for me, it's more about the emotional connection that I had with that design. But this one, I don't have anything against. It was announced on SmackDown this week that AJ Styles and Matt Riddle are going to face off next week. And I have a lot of opinions about this. Yeah, I don't understand so why Matt Riddle is still on TV and others that are involved in or have been accused during the speaking out movement have been reprimanded. Matt Riddle released a video this week. I don't know if you saw it where he yeah. is going on like a almost an apology tour um, saying that this girl was lying. She was stalking him. Just honestly, it's a bunch of And yeah. I guess he was on a radio show this week like talking about how he's so happy that his wife forgave him and his wife was there at the same time he was talking and I just don't understand why WWE cannot read the room when it comes to him and others and just be like okay let's just put this shit on hold like we're not doing anything with him there's been enough evidence that the girl has brought forward that you can't just sit here and be like oh it's nothing and I was going through the comments on the video that he posted and the amount of support he got and the amount of people saying you're fine bro and it's like what it just i think like the only reason why he's still on tv is because he supposedly told double double in advance that this was a thing and that's why they kind of went like oh then then it's fine (laughs) never mind but it's really weird and his main roster debut was like the worst timing I've ever seen right. in wrestling. And you know what? Part of the reason why he got so much support, like I, I wouldn't say that I understand it. I would say that I expected it because mm-hmm. uh, like one thing is that the girl, Candy Cartwright, mm-hmm. right, he brought so much evidence out. Like there's no way that you can keep denying it. So, so he went the path of admitting to one thing mm-hmm. and saying that the rest is all a lie right. so that people will believe him easier. So that people are like, oh, he owned up to that, but so the rest must be untrue as well. But the thing is, our in the, in the Russian wrestling community, I recently went on a podcast of a friend of mine and in Russia, it's like the most popular wrestling related podcast. But they invited me for the sole reason that and rightfully so, they wanted to have a female voice on the podcast when they were talking regarding the speaking out situation. And there were so many hateful, angry comments. It was like the most commented on issue of the podcast ever. And people were just raging. Uh, And the reason why they were raging was because I was talking about how people who have been accused should be fired or at least uh, like say Sammy Guevara or they at least should go through like training. They need their salary to go to charity or something should be done. Right. That, or that suspended something. Right. Yeah. Like that, that was what I was saying. Something should be done about it. That's it. Point blank. And people were really angry about me saying it because well, people, men <laughs> think that their favorite wrestler is an angel and that some woman's, life or bodily autonomy uh, being violated is not enough for them to be laid off, for them to be fired. And those people realize that those things might be true, that those accusations must be true. But they really actually in their minds think that if they're good enough of a wrestler, it's no problem if someone. No, I definitely agree. And, you know, I think WWE, they've done some right steps in terms of like their NXT UK roster who have been accused. Right. But when it comes to Matt Riddle, 
it's like he's still being promoted. He's still on stuff. And I guess that a Raw superstar has been accused as well, but he's been off TV. Supposedly it's COVID related, but he's been off TV and a lot of people noticed, but I guess he was still involved in like taped promos and stuff. So I think WWE is, they think that they're in a difficult situation, but if they just took Matt Riddle off TV and suspended him while they looked into this, I don't think a lot of fans would have an issue because there are accusations against him and there are ways to be like, okay, let's just take a pause on this. Let's investigate this and let's keep going. It's not fair to keep pushing this individual. And meanwhile, you have other people that you've suspended and they're almost the same accusations. And the thing is, even if they, WWE, the corporate, are 100% sure that he's innocent, okay, let's assume that. Even if they are so sure, they must read the room. They must realize that people, the fans, the viewers, won't be as on board with his push right now as they even possibly could be if that would be done two months later, three months later. And beyond it just being disrespectful to victims, disrespectful to people who have gone through sexual assault and like just insensitive, beyond that, it's poor business because they are losing the hype that they could have had. Well, I also think about Velveteen Dream too. You know, he's had some accusations against him and they completely just cut him off. And like I said, it's that easy to do. So I don't understand why they didn't do that with Matt Riddle. But won't be watching that match next week. I will just completely put that out there. We did see the New Day versus Nakamura and Cesaro this week, and a lot of people are thinking it's going to lead to a match at Extreme Rules. We've seen these two teams go against each other a couple times now, and these competitors are so great in the ring, I don't even mind seeing them compete over and over again. Hopefully this week, WWE does announce a match at Extreme Rules, and you know, hopefully there's a stipulation that we'll enjoy. I don't mind it, and those are actually great wrestlers that we can be sure that they will give us a great match to watch. But the thing is with uh, Nakamura and Cesaro is that throughout these past several years, they just haven't been as exciting to watch as they can be. But this is not the time to complain about it because some people are getting terribly misused <laughs> and Absolutely. some people are getting pushed when, sh- when they shouldn't be. So the tag team division is not the worst place for them to be right now. So I'm honestly not complaining about it. I will say I'm still waiting for Cesaro world title reign. I've been waiting and I I will continue to wait. On NXT this week, one of the best matches that I've seen, Adam Cole versus Keith Lee, winner takes all. And what an amazing match. I think Keith Lee really started on top. And then we saw Adam Cole. He started gaining some momentum. And in the end, Keith Lee won. I think it was a great moment for Keith Lee. He was very somber. He had just lost his trainer earlier in the week. But it was just such a great moment. And You know, there's a lot of people online that were irritated a week ago when the results got leaked. And then (laughs) we found out that there was two versions of it taped for Adam Cole and then for Keith Lee winning. So we didn't really know what to expect. We all really wanted Keith Lee to win because he's had this momentum ever since he's come to NXT. And, you know, he was involved in Survivor Series. He faced off with Brock Lesnar. He faced off with Roman Reigns. He's just so dominant. And... You could just tell he's excited to be in the ring to wrestle, and I'm excited to see him with both titles. But we did see Scarlett Bardot and Karrion Cross at the end of the match, peering down, looking at Keith Lee's celebration, and we know that Karrion Cross is coming for this title because he was gunning for it when Adam Cole was still champion. We saw the interaction with Scarlett and Adam a couple weeks ago, and Adam was clearly scared, but now he really doesn't have anything to be scared of now that he's not champion anymore. So 
Eyes are on Keith Lee. I definitely do think that Karrion Cross will be champion, but I want Keith Lee to have this title for a while. I want him to bask in his glory and really show off that he's a dominant title holder. You know, this is the first time that anyone has held two titles in NXT history, and I just want him to hold it for a long time. How did you feel about this match? Yeah, I really loved that match, and I feel like it had a really smart psychology about it because obviously those are very different competitors, very different right. styles, very different sizes, very different athletic abilities. And I love how it wasn't made out to be as though they were physically equal, but it was very nicely built as to address those things, address that, say, Adam Cole is not as strong as Keith Lee, but he makes it work and stuff like that. And you know what I was thinking throughout the entire match is that People obviously loved this match and, and everyone, well, as, as long as I've been uh, asking people and hearing opinions, everyone likes it. Uh, but then uh, why are people saying that intergender wrestling is unrealistic? If this can be made realistic and can be built in a way that it's believable and that it's legit and still a realistic, entertaining wrestling match. Um, yeah, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is, yes, I feel like this match took place exactly when it was supposed to be, like for um, the hype and for the interest of the viewers that they have for Keith Lee, this is the exactly right time to give him the title. I, I would have like... loved to see this moment in front of a crowd though. And there's been a lot of moments during, you know, COVID and everything going on where I would have loved to see a crowd there. And this was one moment where I know the arena just would have erupted. Yeah. But I feel like if they were to stretch it out until they're allowed to have crowds again, this part of this momentum would have been lost in the process. Oh, I agree, definitely. So just storyline-wise and gimmick-wise, it was just the exactly right time to give him the title. And yes, I also want him to have a good, long, legit run. Uh, but if there was someone who I, I'd love to see take this title from him, that would be Cross. Mm -hmm. because again you know that i'm a scarlet fan mm -hmm. <laughs> not as much cross yeah scarlet fan. yeah I'm, I'm just you know i'm a fan of cross and scarlet and i love the way that they introduced him i think he has been really dominant and again this has been really believable and interesting to watch it wasn't just a series of meaningless squashes it was actually compelling Mm -hmm. uh, and the segment with adam cole as well uh, so i really would like him to have this title at some point and I really hope that they keep building him that they don't kind of let go of it because I really can't remember in the history of NXT or at least uh, in the time that I have been watching it and I have been watching basically from the very beginning from where it was like this reality show type thing uh, yeah, I, remember I can't that. remember I can't remember a wrestler debuting and being so strong and being so dominant I think he's he might be like the most dominant debut wrestler in NXT ever. And I really hope that they don't give up on it. I think Finn Balor and I think Shinsuke, they had really strong debuts in NXT, but then it died down. I think when Finn Balor went over to Raw, it was, same thing there. It was really strong for a while and then it died down. I think that's why he went back to NXT. And then same thing for Shinsuke. But it seems like with Cross, they're really strong on him. And it seems like they don't, you know, they don't want to cancel that momentum at, for any circumstance. I'm glad that they're taking their time with him just because when there was that moment with Scarlett and Adam, I thought it was too quick. I was like, please don't give him the title already. You know, he hasn't even been there six months. Like, let him grow a little bit. Let him get involved with a couple more storylines, have a couple more matches, and then let's go from there. So I'm glad yeah, that they let him slowed have that down. Matches. 
yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> I just, I just so uh, vehemently agreed that uh, I was saying, yeah, give him longer, more serious, more watchable matches, have him come up on top there as well. And only then he can actually have that title. And I've also heard rumors that WWE is planning to call him up like in the nearest future. And I really hope that doesn't happen because I really, really wish that they would take their time with building him up on NXT. And I feel like to me, Cross and Scarlet right now are the definition of full package. Like they have the look, <laughs> they have the in-ring, they have the entrance, they have the fans. And it's just, it's just going so perfectly that I'm just sitting there like fingers crossed <laughs> that they do not cut off his momentum. What do you think is next for the Undisputed Era? Adam Cole is not champion anymore. There's no champions in the Undisputed Era right now. And we've seen that Kyle Riley hasn't really been involved. I think he's at home. And then Roderick Strong has had this weird storyline with Dexter Loomis. But do you think that they're going to stay together? Or do you think that they're going to disband? I've seen a lot of people chatting about this online. I've seen a lot of surveys taken. People are very adamant that they're going to stay together. And I think that they should. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I would hate for them to split up, actually, because they are one of my favorite factions again on NXT and one of my favorite wrestlers on NXT on the whole. There have been speculations that they're going to split up for so long, for Mm -hmm. as long as they have been a faction. And um, the most popular opinion that I've heard is that uh, Roddy is going to be the first one to kind of drift away. And by what's happening right now, it does look like it, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think he might be the first person to leave them to leave in disputed area or maybe if adam cole gets called up maybe then they will split up but i don't know to me right now it doesn't look feasible that they'll split up in the next month at least because they still have unfinished business uh yes dexter loomis won at the great american bash but it still doesn't feel like this whole storyline is completed because there has been so many segments about how there other members of the Unspeeded Era have been trying to support Roddy and have been trying to like help him overcome his fear, and it hasn't been that successful. And right. by the uh, segment that we saw before the match, it was kind of evident again that all those exercises that they did with him, like leaving him in the trunk of a car again for him to relieve the trauma, I guess, or whatever, it didn't really work. Like He still right, has some yeah. flashbacks about it. So maybe the logical thing for him would be to con- confront them about it. I would like to see it. We saw Candice LeRae versus Mia Yim this week in a street fight. This was the second women's street fight on NXT television. And I think they did a pretty good job. There were a lot of good moments in the match, but I think sometimes they got up a little too fast and it kind of made it look like it wasn't realistic what was going on. That was like in the beginning of the match. And then I felt like at the end of the match, they did a really good job. And that table spot that ultimately ended the match, I felt like that was great. Candice LeRae and Mia Yim both show that how athletic they are. We've seen and we've heard a lot about Candice LeRae on the independent circuit and how she's all about unconventional matches, including hardcore matches, street fights, and most famously, intergender matches. I've talked about intergender wrestling on the show before and how I think it should be a part of the WWE roster sooner rather than later. I did have a guest who said that they think that intergender should start on NXT just to test it out, kind of see how the audience works, just because NXT's audience might be a little bit more accepting of it rather than the Raw and SmackDown audience, which I do agree. And I think these two women would be great involved in intergender wrestling. They 
bring it against each other. And we saw them in the match with Johnny Gargano and Keith Lee. They did a great job there. And there were some spots involved where, you know, they both were intertwined. So how did you like this match? And I know you talked a little bit about intergender a little bit earlier, but how are you feeling about it on NXT? Yeah, I really loved the match and the table spot, both table spots, the one on the oh, other yeah. side and the one that ended the match were just spectacular. And I really do feel like this match once again showcases that women can uh, shine in those stipulations that are considered manly as much as the men. And there's really, it's really confusing to me like why WWE is so cautious about putting women in unconventional circumstances because they are obviously making it work. Like they are obviously not letting anyone down. And regarding the intergender wrestling, yes, I'm a huge intergender wrestling advocate. I feel that it's ridiculous that we still have gender divisions in the 21st century, but I'm, not, I'm unsure that it would appear in WWE anytime soon because mm-hmm. we have AEW uh, mm-hmm. and their entire discourse is that they are more progressive than WWE. And we did have an intergender match in AEW, which I think it was on Dark. I think it wasn't on Dynamite even. Kenny Omega and uh, Riho versus Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Oh, and I do was, remember that. Yeah, and it was a really, really great match. And I feel it was groundbreaking in a way, even though it wasn't on national television. And then Kenny spoke about it and said that this was a really important milestone to see the people's reaction and to see whether it's possible to go further with that. But then I get this impression that if even AEW is so cautious about it and is so like serious about it and is still kind of putting it on hold, then WWE is even further from that. Mm-hmm. So I really don't think, like my estimation is we won't see intergender wrestling on national television for the next 10 years. It's pessimistic, but I really feel like that's not happening anytime soon. We will see what happens. I'm optimistic. I hope that it happens, but I, I do agree. So. I think that, I think it won't happen anytime soon just based on, you know, how the fans react to stuff and just the world we live in. I feel like people are just, they're going to complain about it either way, or they're going to be happy about it. So we'll see what WWE does. We have Extreme Rules next week, or as they call it, the horror show at Extreme Rules. And the card is jam-packed. We have Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt in a Wyatt Swap fight. It's a non-title match. WWE Championship is on the line. Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. As we said earlier, the stipulation has not been announced yet. SmackDown Women's Champion, Bayley will be defending against Nikki Cross. Raw Women's Championship on the line. We have Asuka defending against Sasha Banks. Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins for this eye-for-an-eye match. United States Championship on the line. We have Apollo Crews defending against MVP. And Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in a bar fight. I don't know why Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus is still going on, but it's fine. We're fine. I think that it's going to be a good show. Hopefully it sticks to what they're doing now with like the two and a half hour to three hour time limit that they have on the pay-per-view. I think it's really been a hit with the fans. So we'll see if they add any more matches or if this will be it and we'll still have time left in the day after the pay-per-view is done. Yeah, the shorter pay-per-views have been so much easier to watch. And the thing is that I am based in Russia right now and there is a huge time difference. (laughs) So... Uh, the pay-per-view would start at like 1 a.m. for me. 
Oh my God. (laughs) It's not about having time in your day. It's about going to bed at like a reasonable time, but anything after 3 a.m. is not reasonable time anyway. (laughs) But like at least getting some time to sleep after that. But yeah, for me, the most anticipated thing on that card would be, I think, the Swamp Net, because I was hoping that we would get more cinematic matches. And anything that has to do with uh, Bray Wyatt slash Wyatt family, I'm down for. Because when they just debuted on NXT, even I was such a huge fan of the Wyatt family. And because the thing is, I like gimmicks that are not the classic, you know, wrestler gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Uh, They bring something uh, very outside the box to the table. And they are... They do not look like wrestlers. They don't act like wrestlers. And they seem like something that's uh, very out of place, but like in a good way, in a way that makes you wonder like what's going on. Right, yeah. I don't yeah. I'm making any sense right now. No, but... you are, definitely. <laughs> I feel like Bray Wyatt has, especially now with this new character, The Fiend, I feel like he's just been really great to watch. And you get so scared to watch him, but you still want to watch. He just, yeah. he's so captivating. And like you said, it's not a typical wrestler gimmick. It's more of like, almost like a movie actor because he has yeah. all these different roles that he plays, but he's he's just so good at all of them. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't even think that the whole Goldberg situation damaged him. Like, maybe, yes, he doesn't seem as uh, powerful and like as uh, intimidating as, as he was before that, but... I still think that he's up there and that he's still interesting to watch and that he still has our attention. And every time there's a segment, I like, you know, like you're sitting watching wrestling and you have like your phone in one hand and Mm -hmm. then you're like going to get snacks. But when his segment is on, I like put everything down. I log out of Instagram (laughs) and I watch. And I think that's the thing that we should be looking for in any gimmick. Like at the end of the day, the purpose of a segment or of... uh, I don't know, a promo is to get you to watch this, to get your attention. And he's succeeding with that. Let's get into our segment. And we talked about this eye for an eye match. Let's kind of dive in and really figure out what it is. According to the Observer is the idea that it is a taped match and they're going to use some CGI effects to simulate an eye being pulled out, which would be the finish. They're (laughs) saying that this might be the perfect way to ride out Mysterio because he hasn't signed a new contract. He's been performing under no contract. This would be a good way to push him out, but if he does stay, then people are guessing maybe Rollins will either take time off or walk around with an eye patch until they figure out it's time for him to not wear it anymore. But obviously Seth Rollins is probably gonna be taking time off sometime soon with Becky Lynch expecting, but who knows? I mean, I really honestly do not know how to feel about this match. I think you really just have to sit there and watch it. it Probably will be one of the cinematic matches. I think also the Wyatt match, but CGI effects. We'll go with it. We'll see what WWE does. I mean, they're going above and beyond to make sure that fans are interested, paying attention. And it, I mean, it definitely caught my attention. So they did do something right there. This whole stipulation announcement did its job. Like, I am legitimately interested in what's going to happen. And say, imagine they actually do the CGI thing and pull out someone's eye, a lot of people will be mad. Like, I can already picture wrestling Twitter just in shambles after this <laughs> match. Uh, but honestly, I wouldn't be mad at it whatsoever because 
so many times in wrestling, well, maybe not mainstream wrestling, depending on what you consider mainstream wrestling, so many times people have died and been resurrected. <laughs> and wrestling is just this whole other realm that anything can happen in. So if we are stuck in this situation with the COVID because they like, can't have crowds, they can't have live shows the way that we know them, why not take advantage of it? Why not uh, go the go a different path, you know, uh, because we have been criticizing WWE for so many years for being afraid to take new step, for being afraid to bring new formats. And now they are doing exactly that. So maybe this crisis might have brought something good to wrestling after all. I was reading online that WWE was expecting to have SummerSlam in front of a live fan-based audience, but it looks like that's not a possibility anymore. Russell votes is saying that the company is looking at late September as a possible restart for their live events. And it's really still up in the air with everything going on. I mean, it's a very fluid situation with coronavirus and, you know, the numbers going up and down. But September is not that far away. And I'm a little bit nervous. I love attending wrestling shows. I love seeing people go to shows and having a good time. And we've seen smaller organizations having shows where people are socially distanced, they're wearing their mask, and people just don't know how to feel about it. There's some people that will actually go and they experience the show, and there's others that will talk shit about it and say that you shouldn't be at these shows, it's not the proper time to be there, and WWE brings a large crowd, and seeing them, will they probably more than likely will have to scale back and only have a certain amount of fans, so... I don't know. I mean, I would like to see what they're proposing before they actually start events. And I'm sure I'm not the only fan that's thinking that. Social distancing, making sure fans are wearing masks, it's a lot. And having it at a capacity of a WWE event where it's a whole arena, I, I really don't know how they're going to manage everyone abiding by these guidelines set forth by the CDC. Yeah, they haven't been able to manage even those like smaller crowds that right. were wrestlers and has and such things they had stuff go down <laughs> even in that department so how are they going to manage say a twenty thousand people crowd and it's really a difficult topic for me in particular because i know the pandemic has, has taken global uh level but in russia right now everything is basically opening back up slowly but surely and i still wear a mask when i go to a crowded place like a mall or something like that but in most everyday scenarios people don't wear masks anymore and even at the malls like they distribute masks at the entrances but then people just take them off but in america from the outside perspective it looks like the situation is a bit harsher right now isn't it like yeah uh, i've heard that in some places uh, everything is closing back up right is yeah. That true? yeah it is true yeah there are a couple cities bigger cities that are closing stuff california closed their bars here in Las Vegas, we just closed our bars again, so it's just a lot, and yeah. seeing these smaller venues like bars or wineries or distilleries, they're closing, and thinking about WWE having an event with 20,000 people or 10,000, mm -hmm. even 500, I mean, that's still a lot, and I don't know how they're going to manage it, so... It's just Ooh. impossible to control. You right. just cannot control it. You can't take temperatures at the entrance, but... Some people can be asymptomatic and still have COVID and you would, wouldn't know because you cannot test like 10,000 people. Right. Uh, then you cannot 
even if you distribute masks at the entrance like they do at the malls here, even if you enforce like a mask policy, even if you put up signs, you cannot force every single person to wear a mask. We also saw this week Tommaso Ciampa went on Instagram and I was very shocked by this. He commented on his, his absence from WWE television. As we know, a couple months ago at TakeOver In Your House, he lost against Karrion Cross, and he's been absent from NXT ever since. So here's a little bit of what he said, quote unquote, I miss 2018 Champa. He said, the wrestling business like life is full of waves, highs and lows. One moment you feel untouchable, the next you come crashing down. Giving up the title is definitely one of my career lows. And to be honest, damn near everything that's happened in my career since has been a disappointment. That's just a little bit of what he said, but you know, I think this is sad, and I, I also think it was very brave of him to put this out there because I've mentioned this before. There's been a lot of WWE superstars who have asked for their release, who have gone online and said how unhappy they are with the company, and this is just another superstar saying that they're unhappy with the position that they're in right now, and Tommaso Ciampa is one of my favorite performers in NXT because I feel like he has been so dominant not only as a tag team competitor, but as a singles competitor. It was unfortunate that he had to give up the title because of an injury, but he came back very strong, and now his momentum is almost at a pause after he lost Karrion Cross. But I want to see him involved again, and uh, I think WWE has a really difficult time at booking people right now, and he just falls into that category where they don't really know what to do next with him. Yeah, on the one hand, it's just, it is true that every wrestler cannot be in a perfect position in the company at all times because that's just impossible that's right and uh, i've learned to kind of look at it from a different angle because when i was younger i used to get mad like every time my favorite wrestler would lose or not get the title opportunity Uh, but now i realize that to most people it's a job just like any other job and sometimes you are uh, win and sometimes you have a title reign but the other times you must step away to you know to provide space for new people but on the other hand with Tomas Champa it's really been difficult to watch because not only did he lose to Cross but it was basically squash yeah. and he still hasn't reached since his return his level that he was at before he had to uh, leave for a certain period of time and I also remember him saying maybe it was like a year ago or maybe maybe a little longer that he wants to never go to the main oh event. yes i saw that, that too he, he would never leave nxt that he wouldn't get called up and if you you know put it as one plus one he's not happy with his position right now but he doesn't want to leave nxt right really the question is what's next and i feel like maybe maybe he has to leave wwe eventually because i really don't see a way at least right now, that he would be back on track with what's going on right now. I mean, maybe if, in terms of Keith Lee, if they want to defend those titles separately, I think Tommaso would be a great competitor to go against Lee for that North American Championship. I see Cross going against him for the NXT Championship, but if they want to split it, I think, you know, you have so many other competitors who could go for that North American Championship, and I think Tommaso would be one of them. Yeah, probably, maybe, but the other... Thing is that whether he would be uh, content with being at that level mm. on the card after he's been so high. Good point. That, yeah, that's true. Our final story this week, I saw this on Twitter earlier this week and I was a little bit shocked. WWE's quote unquote, this is not confirmed, planning on bringing back Evolution this August for 
the day after SummerSlam, after Evolution two years ago and how successful it was, we know that Ronda Rousey was involved with that. She successfully demanded her Raw Women's title against Nikki Bella at Evolution. It was such a good pay-per-view. We had legends involved. It was the first pay-per-view dedicated to the women. And everyone was wondering, was it going to come back the next year? And it didn't. And a lot of people were offended. I was offended. I didn't understand why WWE. <laughs> exactly. Everyone was offended because yeah. they didn't understand why WWE did not host this pay-per-view again. Now, mind you, with Evolution, I will admit, I think WWE did a really job at marketing it. And they waited until the complete last minute to start announcing everything. And it was in shambles. But people ended up loving it because the women were involved. So this week, PW Unlimited claimed that WWE is looking into the prospect of producing a second evolution as early as next month. Obviously, the crowds wouldn't be involved, but how are we feeling about this? I also saw that WWE might sign Tessa Blanchard and she would debut here, and I am not a fan of that. I, we know what Tessa Blanchard has done. I'm not going to get into that. You can Google it, but I would like to see an evolution pay-per-view, but I would also like to see it in front of a crowd. I feel like the women deserve that. And Banks and Bailey have been doing an incredible job holding this roster on their back during this COVID-19 crisis. And we have NXT women who have been killing it. We also have other women on the roster who are just waiting for their opportunity, like we mentioned earlier, to shine. And having this Evolution pay-per-view, I feel like would be the perfect opportunity. But I asked earlier this week on our Twitter, at WWDCAST, how would you feel about an Evolution 2 pay-per-view? And someone was like, well you know, they have to do it now or they won't do it at all. Because if we wait on them to get the crowds back, it might it might be a year or two. WWE is very optimistic, like we mentioned earlier, stating that they're going to be back in September, but it won't be at the capacity that the first Evolution had with it in terms of crowds. Yeah, I actually went to Evolution. You did? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was an amazing show. And it was literally one of my favorite wrestling trips I've ever taken. But the thing is, even though I loved the show itself, absolutely loved it. Again, one of my absolute favorite WWE shows ever. But I feel like the whole reason why it actually took place was that all of the male superstars were in Saudi Arabia. And they kind of had the necessity to do something with the rest of the roster. And they decided to package it in this beautiful, uh, glittery wrapping of equality, which, <laughs> which was completely fake, you know. So... Now, them having evolution without the premise of Saudi Arabia would be a great step for them to take, for them to actually reestablish that they do care about women, not only when their roster is stuck in Saudi Arabia, but at all times. But the thing is, if they do decide to hold it in August next month, that would be the same old story of them announcing everything last minute, last minute. of them poorly marketing it, getting lower viewership, and then complaining about it. It's just, that would happen again. They would get lower viewership again, and they would say, oh, women don't draw. But it's not that women don't draw. It's that if you do things poorly, they come out poorly. Yeah, you're doing marketing, and you expect people to just hop on board a month before. I mean, I will, but... <laughs> I mean, I will too. But in terms of other fans, you know, that's where Evolution, I feel like, had its downfall, and a lot of people were pissed about because... They were waiting the last minute to announce matches. People were trying to figure out, well, am I going to go support this first ever women's pay-per-view or not? And they're waiting for the card to come out. And 
it's two weeks before and there's one match announced and you know people are getting injured they had to reorganize the matches but still like communicate with your fans you communicate when it's a male dominated pay-per-view why not for the women i'm just saying yeah and when we're talking viewership i don't mean just double network it's also about like uh, organizing the show because now of course we do not have crowds but last time for some people sure they just you know buy a ticket and then get dressed up on the evening off and then go there <laughs> but right. for some people like me it's flying from Russia to New York exactly. <laughs> and it takes, like 10 plus hours and then uh, my friend who's also a wrestling youtuber Jess her YouTube is Jess on drums uh, also went there and she had to fly from England so when WWE does this, announcing their show so late and announcing the card so late, it also it also damages the attendance because, of course, the stadium will probably be full anyway, even without us. <laughs> but it's still good for them to say that, oh, so many people flew from there, so many people flew from here. Because take Mania, they always uh, put such huge emphasis on people traveling for Mania, right? Right. And they could have had that same thing for Evolution because the sole reason why I traveled for it is because it's the first ever all-women's pay-per-view. Like, I sat down and I was like, I can't miss it. Like, I need to fly there, whatever it takes. And they could have also positioned it in a way that would have, make, that would have made it more credible. But because they announced things so late, they couldn't. That was also their mistake. We want to see our women WWE, but you need to do your marketing right. If you need someone to do your PR and marketing, we will do it for you. We will. <laughs> For a fee, <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Xenia, for joining me here on Wrestling Wind Down today. It was so great to chat with you. Where can the people find you on social media? Uh, thank you so much for having me. And you can find me on basically all of social media with the same handle. Xenia did that with an X. And my YouTube channel is called The Same Way. And I post a lot of stuff, wrestling-related and non-wrestling-related, so feel free to check me out. And I also do giveaways regularly, so by subscribing, you might as well win something next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Wind Down. You can find all of our other episodes available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at WWDCast. That is at WWDCAST. Let us know what you thought about the episode. What was your favorite part? We upload episodes every week. Until next time, enjoy your wine and, of course, enjoy your wrestling. Cheers! Cheers.